Good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 560 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for Sunday, May 3rd, 2020. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Steam is leaving the orchard, Bezos is headed to Congress, and Universal is not invited to the AMC party. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, on our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Mixer, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook, on a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of others, on the radio, or on our website, PluckHitsLive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are three ways that you can do that. Uh, first, you can join us live normally Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us during the show and give your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Or you can listen on 88.1 WMLD in the New York area or on their website uh, Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern. Or, of course, you can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe and there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live and The Pilch Point, Plug It's Live Presents, and a whole lot more, and find, about, find out about all the ways you can subscribe, watch, and listen. Now, we made a promise that we were going to be testing some new technology tonight. And uh, we did. It did not work. And so here we are, under our normal circumstances, uh, back the way we always are. Um, but we have been streaming on uh, several of our platforms uh, constantly for the last 36 hours. If you saw any of that streaming, that was coming through the piece of hardware we promised to test tonight. It worked great all weekend until 10 minutes ago. <laughs> when it decided it didn't want to anymore. Whatevs. That's the reason why we have backups. And so we are back up and running. Uh, so just wanted to get that out there. Avram, how are you doing tonight? Uh, not bad. Uh, not bad. Could, could be worse. Uh, really happy, really happy to be here. Really happy to be, um, to be, um, you know, safe in my house with the with everything going on sure. and able to do still you know be able to do my job from here so uh so things uh things could things could definitely be worse and uh you know uh definitely spending more time at home has given me more time to play with different uh electronics that i've gotten in especially raspberry pi stuff that sure. i have giant piles of <laughs> uh to mess with so um you're so like it's, uh, you're like it's quickly cool. becoming the Raspberry Pi guy. Uh, there's a lot of Raspberry Pi folks. Uh, I just it's just my my personal pet something I personally enjoy a great deal. But I'm I'm no expert compared to other people. But we certainly you know turn up the amount of coverage that we have on on um, Tom's hardware because uh, not only uh, is it really cool stuff, but we actually have a are getting a lot of readership for it. Mm -hmm. So people are coming to read um, the different Raspberry Pi news that we put up 
on a pretty much daily basis. Uh, so, you know, uh, and then the toys come out and I get to, and I get to play with them. And sometimes if I can pull him away from Minecraft, my son, uh, my son plays with them too, as, as we did today. So, um, which I'll get into later, but, um, yeah, so it's, it's been, um, it's been cool. And then of course, on your recommendation, I tried a new tool this week, uh, StreamYard, uh, which we used to do our first, uh, first ever live, Tom's Hardware live stream show. Uh, and I have to say that we're going to start doing it on the regular, yes. uh, on the regular. I think we will, I think the time that we did it was pretty good. So I think we may just do it again. I keep doing it again, which is one thirty PM Eastern on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Streamyard uh, gets, you know, high rank, high marks for me. Uh, if you want to do run your, do your own video live stream as we are doing right here. Uh, Scott does not has a, has a lot of fancy equipment. Uh, in uh, in the studio that he uses for this, uh, but and it certainly gives you more options and yeah. flexibility than you would get with an online tool like Streamyard. But Streamyard uh, lets you do all of this stuff pretty seamlessly uh, and, uh, from pretty much any computer you want. You don't need uh, to have fancy software. You don't need to have a powerful CPU. You don't even need to have a great internet connection uh, because it's just right. like dialing into a meeting at Google Meet or Zoom yeah. or, or you know other Facebook or anything like that. Um, and you, if you have the account, you can control the look of it, uh, control the split screen. Uh, it will stream. It will stream to a variety of services that you want in real time, like such as YouTube and Facebook Live. Um, and the, and it's available for free. But for free, you, you, it has the StreamYard logo on it. Right. It doesn't let you do a lot of things. Uh, so then if you want to pay for it, it's $20 a month, which is very reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and you know, Scott turned me on to that, and I have to say it's fantastic. And, you know, when you, when you think about all the things that it does, um, you know, yes, the, the stuff that we do with ours is bigger. But that's because the stuff that we do with ours is bigger, right? The the things that we do at at conferences and things like that with multicam from the same location and all those things. You know, that's <laughs> because we're limited on internet connection, right? We couldn't do a a, a cloud service like that. But um, you know, if if you're just trying to do multi-location uh, streaming, it works real well. Uh, you know, Geek News Central was using it while he was re- rebuilding his studio. Uh, and for 20 bucks a month, you know, considering just the software that we use in here is 800, you know, that it, it takes a long time at 20 bucks a month to, to get, <laughs> to get to that 800 Yeah, and you keep I getting mean, the I, new features, I, you know, I, I hope they're doing well. You know, I don't, I don't, I hadn't heard of them before you told me. So I hope that they are doing well and are going to, you know, stay in business and, and grow because. I've not seen any other thing like it, and it is uh, it is a really, really fantastic, yeah, fantastic service that needs that needs and deserves more uh, more attention. Agreed. Um, Although their login system is very weird, and 
makes me think that if they became a larger company, they would have to change that because it's bizarre, uh, which is there's no password. Uh, when you when you log in, every single time you log in, it sends you an email code that's only good for 15 minutes. Uh-huh. They don't, there's no, like there's no permanent password. Now, I've I think it kind of ca- saves you. So if, if you haven't logged out, you're still logged in. Uh, I guess uh, over, you know, forever. I don't know if it's forever, but um, it's, I don't know what you call that, 1FA? It's not 2FA because there's only one factor. Yes. Okay. So uh, I'm not saying any names because I really like the company, but uh, there's the this this project that I'm working on. Uh, the company has has implemented a two-factor authentication system uh, but they don't use a password. It's the exact same thing. So the app opens up, you get a, a temporary, like a Microsoft authenticator or a Google authenticator, uh, but that's not what they use. Um, so you put in your email address and then it takes you to another screen where you have to get the thing out of the, out of the app, but that, that's still only one factor that it's not, right. that's not what two factor authentication is. So same kind of weird thing they kind of miss the boat on what two-factor authentication means but you know yeah yeah it's it, it it's it's bizarre uh and they have like an faq about it and they're like we found that passwords aren't very good so we just use this which is you know okay i understand passwords get stolen <laughs> a lot so i kind of get it but at the same time it's very odd because i've never seen another service do this sort of one fa stuff uh-huh yeah. Uh, anyway, only the second factor of two-factor authentication. They, yeah. They skip the first yeah. one, so it it's second factor authentication, TFA yeah. or SFA, whatever. Weirdness. Um, on my side, like I mentioned earlier, we've uh, been streaming for the last literally for the last thirty-six hours up until ninety minutes ago. Uh, it's been a crazy weekend. We did a collaborative project with, uh, with like eight different groups uh, within the Amrock family, and we produced a uh, a video on um, uh, somebody being in the bathroom, not having toilet paper, kind of opens the door and says, uh, "Hey, can you help me out?" and hands the empty roll out, and all of our groups individually added to the roll in their own way. So we've got, we've got a woman who owns a uh, robotics uh, like education company. And so she built a little robot to spin it up. And uh, Steve is like a handyman. So he did it with, he had a drill and our drone guy uh, had a drone involved in his and, you know, Marissa who uh, most of our viewers in Abram know uh, she did a, a Mario themed, thing with a mushroom because makes it bigger right Uh, so it was a tremendous amount of fun and we streamed all weekend long and i cannot believe that after 36 hours of that we're still going but that's because we've got a lot of news to cover and uh, we're going to get to that right now
This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, a Surface, uh, what? Yeah, well, yeah, Surface, an Xbox One, either S or X, or a whole lot more like uh, like phones and games and VR headsets, you can find all of them at the Microsoft Store. And if you're a student or military, you can get a discount on almost all of the products in the store. And uh, you can find out about all of that by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right. I know this is three in a row, but it's an important topic right now. And uh, it's getting uh, weirder this week. So for the last two weeks, we have talked about contact tracing, which uh, obviously Apple and Google have kind of been the face of, but they're not the only ones that are building technology uh, to to help trace human contact. Um, you know, it's there's technology in China already that we know that keeps track of of who interacts with who, so that if there's a, a dissident, they can you know. The, uh, it's a difficult concept and a difficult topic, but it's been covered a lot. It's out there. Uh, the social ranking system is based on it. Well, if you've been following our show for a while, you'll recognize that there is a company here in the United States that has been doing something similar-ish, been doing facial identification, uh, Clearview AI, and it turns out that they might or might not but almost certainly are involved in contracts with uh, departments in the United States and possibly abroad, but con our government doesn't care about the abroad part, um, to use facial identification, their facial identification, for contact tracing. Now, obviously there's a couple of problems here. First and foremost is the accuracy of the system has been nebulous. Uh, there's been a lot of question as to how accurate the Clearview AI uh, facial identification system has been uh, because they've been incredibly secretive until they were outed by the New York Times. What was it in November? Uh, nobody knew they even existed, let alone that they had a product out in the wild that police officers were already using. Um, and so they've been quiet about who they are, what they do. And uh, as such, we don't know how well it works, um, but it's been questionable uh, from those who have used it. But on top of that, there's also the privacy issue. Um, Clearview's terms of service basically say that they will keep content uh, that is run through their system indefinitely. And so uh, if you're running video through it off of a camera in, say, a high trafficked area which is probably the intention here right we don't care about unused sidewalks we care about a place like times square in new york or ybor city here in tampa that would be the place where people are going to come in contact with a lot of people um it's going to store a lot of new information and it's going to get real good at figuring out who it doesn't know which is kind of a terrifying concept so Congress has asked, uh, has asked, uh, well, a particular senator said we're Senator Markey uh, from Massachusetts has asked the company for uh, information on who they're in discussions with and uh, any contracts that are pending or completed. Yeah, so 
Here's the thing. I was just looking at some of the many articles about why the Apple Google contact tracing software won't won't actually help that much. And it's putting the cart before the horse. And so the the you know, yeah, basically we're just uh, asking for more data collection that may not help that much. Uh, for one, for this to work, you need to actually know who's infected, mm -hmm. right? So, so that's just like the baseline is that you don't know, you don't actually know who's infected, right? So, if if everybody was being tested all the time, uh, which we're so far from, you can't even get a test unless you have symptoms in most places, which means it's already too late. You right. spread it. Um, the, you know, the apps, the app, contact tracing is going to provide a false sense of sense of security because most people who get it aren't tested. Don't, I don't have a positive test. Second of all, who's going to notify them when you now no longer have it? Mm -hmm. Like, are you going to be permanently a pariah on the system? Because I mean, yep. like I can, I can foresee this becoming like a credit rating type of thing where you got to contact the credit bureau over and over again to fix a mistake. Oh, wait, Google, Apple, listen here, here. I had to go to the doctor to show you that I no longer have COVID-19. Can you please stop flagging everyone who comes, uh, who comes within six feet of me? is being infected, mm -hmm. therefore triggering, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe law enforcement or something like to come after people. Oh, hey, you got a quarantine because you were you were near this person. But yep. wait, he hasn't had COVID-19 for for a month. But, you know, if the app isn't constantly up to date with what people plus, if people can't get tested, if people can't get tested when they have symptoms, how are they going to get tested when they don't, right. when they no longer have them? I mean, when you're in the hospital, they will test you before you leave, but that's only people who have been hospitalized, mm -hmm. right? If, if I were to go out, if I got symptoms and I were able to get a test today, which some, which, you know, that's kind of the criteria. I could make an appointment at, there's a couple of places in town uh, where I, where you could go and you could make an appointment and and if you say you have symptoms they may actually force you to take a flu test first to make sure that you don't have the flu before they before they spend uh, a covid test on you so so like if you don't have correct data to work from what what is the point yeah what good is any right? of this if the if the essential single point of data uh is questionable or faulty and in this case the questionable or faulty data is not coming from Clearview. right right so you know but meanwhile to your point they're going to take this data they're going to keep the data and they're going to use it for other things so i think people have a have a have a right to be to be concerned like i mean i think if there is a way to make it workable uh, that it could help prevent prevent infections, uh, and you know you felt a decent degree of accuracy in it, then then having these contact tracing apps would be, you know, would be good. Sure. But I 
I don't think, and you know what, maybe in other countries where they have a lot of testing, a high percentage of people have been tested, there's more compliance with things like social distancing, um, you know, maybe such an app, I mean, do they have these type of apps in South Korea? I think... Uh, I, I don't know uh, about South Korea. I do know that they've been in development in other countries, though. Uh, yeah, so I ahead, think ahead of the APIs from from Google and Apple, uh, there right. have been some some more direct uh, methods. So, so yeah, uh, I think that's I think that's what you got. You know, I yeah. think you need to have the robust testing in place before you can have the robust uh, contact sure. tracing work. Uh, and there will have to be a human element to the contact tracing to, sure. uh, you know, hire people to do it. Um, but so, I don't, uh, but I don't know that having, even if all of the essential stuff was in place, I still don't know if having, having clear view involved would make it any better or if it would just make it closer to China's, uh, social ranking system. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah, uh, they're, they're too, they're too like NSA, dark underground, <laughs> for me. Um, if they were to uh, bring themselves out into the light a little bit more, you know, maybe people would start to feel more comfortable with them. But they are, they are way too dark and shady for me to, uh, to have any comfort with them. So. Um, Obviously, uh, the letter was just sent and, uh, being this kind of organization, will they respond? Uh, you know, will they, will they fight it and wait, we'll wait for a subpoena or what will happen? Who knows? Um, but this is a big topic. And with this, uh, this type of platform intending to hit the market this month, uh, my guess is there will not be a whole lot of wait before we find out how they respond and uh, uh, what's going on here. So, This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. Uh, when, you're, when you're browsing the internet, you want to uh, protect your, your identity there as well. Uh, and uh, a product like PureVPN is a great way to do that because it obfuscates your, your browsing, both from Google and Facebook, as well as from your, uh, your ISP. Plus, if you're away from home, you want to be able to use a, uh, a location-based service, you can use the VPN to report that you are back in the U.S. and you can still watch Hulu, that type of thing. Uh, and they're running some great deals right now, and to find out about those deals... You can go to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right. And before I sneeze here, Abram, because <laughs> it's coming, uh, what have you got for us this week? All right. So I want to talk about some positive stuff going on. Uh, maybe not all over the world, but right, right here. So, um, so, you know, as, as uh, long-time listeners know, we do a Tom's Hardware 
which is my day job, we do a lot of, and we've been increasing the amount of coverage we do of Raspberry Pi projects and and news because uh, it's very popular and it's just a lot of fun. Uh, so uh, we've started to highlight the top new projects that people have done uh, done each month, and uh, you know provide uh, resources where you can do them yourself. Uh, and also, we've got some some projects that people can do with their kids. So uh, if you go to tomshardware.com this week, you'll see um, our, our list of the top 10 Pi projects of May. Uh, these include a garage, a connected garage door opener where someone has taken a Raspberry Pi Zero, connected it to the motors that control their garage door and had it actually like log garage door opens, which is kind of kind of funny. Uh, someone has taken a Raspberry Pi and turned it into a fitness trainer you, that uses image recognition. So it looks at your workout and it gives you advice. Like, I don't know if you do a yoga pose, like you did it wrong um, using image recognition. Oh, like, um, like Xbox they, Fitness. Yes. It's the project is known as called Hit Pi, H I I T space P I. Nice. Um, there, uh, another project someone did was a toilet paper claw that picks up rolls of toilet paper. Uh, I guess um, another is an automated drink mixer because you'd need a, a robot bartender. Um, and you don't want to buy the one and, from Keurig. Uh, Yes, or the one. Whenever we go to Las Vegas, they always have this this like restaurant that has a robot bartender. The um, the one another cool project. The the one at Planet Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I never have drank there. Um, one of the most popular stories that we did projects that we covered this month was uh, from a fifteen year old uh, guy who, who lives in India. It is called the Raspberry Pi PC Hardware Stats Monitor. Oh. Uh, and what it does is it you connect it to your computer and it gives you, and it on a separate screen gives you information about what your PC is doing, such as the temperature, the CPU speed, the fan speed, um, how much of your RAM is in use, and a very attractive looking UI. So it's like, you know, if you want to see what your, your PC is doing, um, you can, uh, you can, you can do that project. Uh, and another one that a lot of people really enjoyed, uh, reading about when we wrote about the first time is, uh, making your Raspberry Pi operating system look like Windows XP. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone has come out with a version of the Raspberry Pi operating system, Raspbian, and made it look just like Windows XP. <laughs> uh, if you miss Windows XP... Uh, I don't miss it that much. Uh, it was nice in its day. Um, was it though? So these are all. Eh, <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, in its day. That that weird blue. It was okay. That weird blue yeah. taskbar. Uh, I don't know. So, I'm going to show folks Ooh. on um, on the uh, if those who are watching the video feed. Ooh, it does you can't see the rainbow colors in the camera because it's all. Glory that I'm I'm showing here a Raspberry Pi that has the official Pi Sense Hat on it, uh, and what the Sense Hat does is 
mind you, it seems for some reason that when I boot this up and it is not connected to a monitor, the light does not turn off, which is weird. Mm. But I do it connected to a monitor, no problem. So a little, little weird. Anyway, so what the Sense Hat does is, here I'll unplug it, uh, is it allows you to, um, it's a really cool thing to put onto your accessory. It's like $30 uh, for your Raspberry Pi. This is like what a Raspberry Pi looks like without it. And then you just put it onto the, the 40 GPIO pins up here. And it gives you a bunch of capabilities that are great for doing projects with your kids. And my son, who's eight, and I were playing with it this afternoon. Uh, first of all, there's this light matrix that's eight by eight um, light, eight by eight LED lights that you can make, like do all kinds of cool things like scroll words and, you know, messages, draw pictures. Uh, but it's called so, a sense hat, not a, a so, lighting hat. So you can control uh, yeah. each one individually as a pixel? Yes. Awesome. Yes, correct. You can draw on it, you can make animations, and you can very easily uh, make it have a scrolling message. Um, it, uh, what my son was actually doing with it earlier, uh, and you can program it in Scratch, uh, Scratch 3 to be exact, which is a popular programming language for kids because it's block-based and you drag the blocks around. Mm -hmm. um, but you can also um, program it in Python and do some more things with it. Uh, the light part of it is, is you know, the coolest looking part, but it, it is not the part that makes it call, be called the sense hat. It has a bunch of sensors on it. So it has a temperature sensor. It has a humidity sensor. Um, it has, I think, a pressure sensor. It has an accelerometer that reacts if you tilt it. Uh, and it has a little joystick on it. Uh, all these things you can use uh, you can use together to to do cool projects. Uh, this sense hat, not this one in my hand, of course, uh, it has been on the International Space Station uh, as part of what they call the AstroPi project, where uh, kids actually have submitted programs to be run on a Raspberry Pi that, that lives on the International Space Station. Um, but uh, we've got an article about uh, on Tom's Hardware about some of the really neat sort of beginner projects that you and your kids can enjoy with a, a Raspberry Pi in the sense hat. Uh, one is to actually program uh, the accelerometer so that you can use this as a controller to control some a character on screen. Another is wow. to have it change color based on the temperature in the room. So if it's too hot or if it's too cold, it turns blue. And if it's too hot, it turns red. Um, another, you know, is to just use the um use the joystick to control things uh one thing that my my son and i uh did is he's been working on a game a really simple game in um in python using a library called pi game which allows you to make uh you know really easy games and this is one where you drive a car around you try to avoid obstacles and you could get hit by an obstacle and he made it so that if you you crash uh it says on the screen you crashed uh <laughs> scrolls by so he he worked this into the game um you know granted you know it's just kind of cute um i have a project actually that i am working on but i'm still looking for some advice for folks who who would have some um where i want to make a raspberry pi hand washing timer 
and I think I could possibly put the the output of the timer, like the the count down or count up, yeah, uh, to twenty seconds, uh, use on this LED grid. I mean, obviously, I could also put it, um, a, an actual screen on or an e ink display. Uh, would probably use less power than this, uh, but I'm just thinking about how a person might trigger the hand washer because I don't want to have it be done via buttons because I guess, you know, your hands are dirty or uh -huh. germy or whatever. You don't want to touch the device. So if you put this behind your sink or above your sink uh, and you wanted it to count that 20 second countdown so you know you've washed your hands for long enough to disinfect them, what would be your way of turning it on? Would it be like a noise, like clapping or motion detection? Um, uh, theoretically, it could detect the humidity from the sink, but that seems like kind of imprecise. Like what if you're using the sink for something else or it's still humid after you turn the sink off? So I don't know. I'm kind of looking for the right the right interface for turning it on, whether it's a sound-based one or a motion-based one. Uh, that would that would not involve actually touching it. And then I'm looking for how would I get this in a water resistant case so that if somebody splashes from the sink, it doesn't destroy uh -huh. uh, their Raspberry Pi. So interesting. Uh, that is a that is a project I feel like I could do with the Sense Hat, um, possibly. And uh, you know, so I really encourage people to check out some of the cool uh, projects that people did. Uh, for May 2020 uh, Raspberry Pi projects on tomshardware.com and we also have separately an article on three really elementary articles you can do with your kids uh, using the Sense Hat. Interesting. Um, okay, so <laughs> I am thinking obviously this is way more way more work but you could, you could, uh, there is a compatible from our friends at Adafruit. Uh, there is a water flow sensor that works with the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you could do that. But, but keep in mind, there's a lot of times you use a sink for things other than doing your regular hand washing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what if it's the kitchen sink? You're washing dishes. You don't need the countdown for that. So, sure. um, so I think it, you'd have to have a person initiate it. Yeah, true. Um, uh, but it's something I've been thinking about for a few weeks because I haven't seen anybody else do it, and I think it would be relevant and timely if I can sure. get it done before before, uh, before this virus goes away. But I think we're, we have a while with that, unfortunately. So um, we have a while yet where people are going to be want to wash, be washing their hands for 20 seconds. So... <laughs> Um, Hopefully that's everybody's normal. <laughs> yes, this is true. But I mean, like now there's an emphasis on making sure that you've done it for 20 seconds. Now for my son, I'd like to have to not only to have it remind him to do other things like actually use soap and turn the sink off after he's done, which he has a tendency not to do. Oh, Um. But uh, that's another that's another story. Maybe I need to actually make make a Raspberry Pi that listens to hear if there's a flush and alerts me if there hasn't been. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> OK, that's funny. Uh, so you could use the screen uh, 
to do a little animated like a like a a hand soap uh, pump animation. Yeah. <laughs> at the yes. fi- at at like the five second mark. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Well, I tell you before it'll have to give you like a, a startup, right? Because like you do it, then you turn on the sink and put soap in your hand. I assume so. Like yeah, there has to kind of be a countdown for the countdown, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. This is this is a fun project that is right up there with our uh, our filling a toilet paper roll. I love this. It's <laughs> it's a tremendous amount of fun. Um, I always love hearing about the 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 projects people are doing uh, with Raspberry Pi, with Arduino, with all kinds of things. I always love to hear about people's projects because you get a, an interesting sense about the person, uh, and you know we've gotten. We've gotten some interesting stuff about uh, about some people with your projects here. So thank you for that. And as always, uh, yeah. I look forward to what we'll talk about next time. This week's Extra Life and F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and console are available from Razer. Whether you're looking for a new keyboard and mouse like we're using here in the studio, you need a uh, a controller for your Xbox or your PC, or uh, you're you're looking for a whole system like uh, one of the Razer Blade laptops, uh, Razer's got it all, and to find out about the deals that are running right now and all the products that are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash Razer. All right, so this last year has been an interesting one for VR. We've talked about a couple of uh, a couple of platform ends. Um, Google put an end to their Daydream uh, platform uh, and then open sourced it. Um, Gear VR uh, has uh, officially uh, kind of seen the end of itself, uh, which was predicted. Um, but here we are in a time when uh, escaping reality would be helpful for a lot of people uh, without leaving the house. And that's kind of what VR does, right? It gives you a different reality without having to leave where you are. And yet another platform is, uh, is seeing its demise. And that is the surprisingly short lived, uh, steam VR for Mac OS. Um, the platform's only been around for a couple of years on Mac OS, um, far shorter than, than it's been on uh, windows or Linux, but it's, it's really not all that surprising to me because anybody who's owned a Mac knows that games just aren't there. That's just not the platform that game developers spend any time on. They'll spend more time building a game for Linux than they will for Mac. So the idea that, that, that Valve would say, all right, there's not enough people using this for, for the resources that it's requiring. So, uh, we're out. 
it's not all that surprising to me. It's been decades of, of yeah. Mac not being the place for games. Yeah, Mac's not a place for games, and now you have something that's a super narrow niche, which is VR gaming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have numbers to back this up somewhere sure. internally that no one was using it. It's not surprising that no one was using it, but I'm sure that they also are well aware of how many people how many people actually were using it, and it was probably nobody. So while it would be nice to think that um, that VR is popular everywhere, what we've seen the last year is a con- is a condensing of VR down to the best and most popular platforms. I think, uh, and that I think has will ultimately be good for the future of VR mm-hmm. because you had all this like eh, mediocre VR that was, you know, oh, take a phone and stick it in front of your face, mm-hmm. which was what Gear VR was in Daydream. It was like, well, we don't want to pay for a real headset, which I get. It's expensive. Uh, so I'm just going to take a phone. I'm going to stick it in front of my face. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess that's I guess that's OK. Uh, but I think the, the I think what we saw was it wasn't people didn't really like to do it. It wasn't very popular. People who who really liked VR were committed to getting a real headset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe also a lot of people like me were raised to not stick your face in front of the TV. And um, it just seemed so too much like that. Like, you know, when I was a kid, you get too close. You know, parents would say, like, you're going to go blind if you get your face too close to the TV. Or <laughs> or your eyes you know, are going to cross. I think my mom told me once, I think my mom told me once that standing too close to TV causes cancer or something like that. I mean, this is when we had tube TVs, folks. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, you know, when, so, when, when I first heard about things like the Gear VR, where they said, take, take your phone and stick it directly in front of your eyeballs. Yeah. I was like, shouldn't, isn't that against what my mom told me? Um, <laughs> And, and, you know, when, when you look at, in, in the grand scheme of things, if, if you look at the, the people and the actual usage of Gear VR, for example, um, it was mostly people who got the headset for free with their phone, uh, in particular, um, sorry, I think we have a pirate in the Twitter chat room, or uh, Twitch chat room. Um, anyway, uh, what... Yes, uh, Gear VR. You know, they're they're the people who got them free with their phones. You know, the the S8 and the S8 Plus. Uh, you could get it for free, um, and a lot of people still didn't. Um, but those who did, you know, they used them for a little while. They enjoyed watching their mother or their grandmother freak out and fall off of a chair, and uh, they filmed it, sent it into America's Funniest Home Videos, and uh, that was the end of using the Gear VR, and. And, you know, in addition to that, the fact that, you know, developing for all these different platforms just is not inexpensive, right? It's the reason why games aren't made for Mac. I I know, grand statement, that's not really true, but you know what I mean. Um, You know, the the cost of developing for Mac versus the cost of developing for, for Windows or Linux is way higher Partially because there's not as many Mac developers and partially because, um, you know, the things that you can do on it are very limited because that's the Apple ecosystem. So, you know, the cost is higher. There's less of them out there. And the number of people who are who are buying VR 
is is niche anyway and trying to add you know vr niche on top of apple niche which is <laughs> there is no way this was ever going to be going to be a, a successful thing so you know like you said limiting the scope um and and kind of shrinking shrinking that down in this particular case is probably a good thing because you're not trying to develop the same game for Linux and Windows and Mac and Gear VR and Daydream and you know all these oh the cost of developing a VR game is so high and then eight people buy it it's just there's no way that's good for the longevity of the of the marketplace so you know going for for Steam VR and uh and uh, Oculus basically on Windows and maybe Linux as your as your go-to totally makes sense to me so this move makes sense and just as a warning steam vr is not going anywhere for linux or uh for windows they're they're committed to those it's just mac os that's seeing the end so it it seems like the right move to me it a it doesn't seem surprising and b it seems like the right move so yeah This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is probably powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities such as Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny, which I will use again because my internet's not working. Uh, the way it works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your uh, DVD, you know, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Suburban Sasquatch is apparently the uh, the movie for tonight. Um, they also do short films, uh, those industry insiders. I should have known this one because they posted it on Facebook earlier today. Anyway, um, industry inside films, those educational films. Uh, and they also have live events that make their way to uh, to the website, and you can purchase those as well. And to find out about all of the feature films, the short films, and the live events that are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. They called it Sunburn Gorilla on Facebook. Oh my goodness. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, last year... There was a lot going on uh, in Congress with big tech, uh, obviously prompted by the stuff that was going on at Facebook. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, executives were called in to testify in front of Congress from Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, uh, Amazon, and um, when when Amazon's uh, counsel was in front of Congress, one of the questions they were asked and. It seems like a reasonable question uh, is how Amazon handles its seller data as Amazon's private label and white label business is growing, right? There's a lot of products that are Amazon basic or honest to God, if you go look at the list of private and white label brands that Amazon owns, you'd be shocked. It's huge. Um, and so as that grows, the question was, 
how they handle seller data for their competitors um, versus you know their white label or private label products. And uh, the, the council said without hesitation that Amazon does not uh, access or uh, view seller data to determine its uh, private label and white label uh, product mix. Well, turns out that may not be the case. Um, a, a report from the Wall Street Journal uh, revealed uh, after conversations with more than 20 employees, uh, former Amazon employees, all of whom worked within the private and white label division of the company, they said that they were uh, frequently uh, um, pressured to use Amazon's existing data to determine what their product mix would be. Uh, and one of the examples they used was uh, a trunk organizer. Uh, they didn't mention the, uh, the big brand by name, but they said they, they went and they looked at the, the big brand product, the one that's purchased the most on Amazon, looked at the features, looked at the reviews to determine what it was that people wanted, what it was that people didn't want, uh, and the things that they didn't care about. And then they went off and uh, built their own trunk organizer to compete and figured out based on how much they make uh, from listing this one, how much profit they should make on their own so that they could bring the price down and uh, undercut the big brand. Um, so that puts the statements from last year in perjury territory uh which is not a great place to be when you're a company who's already kind of messing around with the federal government we know amazon uh has has sued the government over the the microsoft azure contract um so yeah, there's already a bit of an adversarial relationship there Getting into the perjury territory is probably not a great place to be. What do you think, Abram? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think it will be hard. I mean, I don't know if there's – is there a law requiring them not to use that data? Or is the problem only that they said that they wouldn't use it and that they might be be doing what they said they didn't do? There does not appear to be any... Okay, so there's no hard and fast law specifically about this. What The territory that they're entering here is uh, anti-competitive, right? It's, it's antitrust stuff um, where they're using their market position to, uh, to harm their competitors, which this would definitely fall into that category. If you're looking at, at the sales and features of your competitors who sell on your platform to determine what products you should make to, to uh, compete against them, you're definitely getting into antitrust territory there. Yeah, well, certainly a lot of the data that you mentioned is public, therefore, but not the, but not the profit amount and the sales data right but if you're talking about oh what do people want 
uh, and what is top selling, you can get that information. Like I can get that information from Amazon right now because I can go and I can look at if, if I trust the ratings, right? Sure. I can go and look at the user ratings and the user comments on anything right now. And I can use that data to, um, you know, to, to decide what product I'm going to make. Sure. But what, uh, what you don't have access to is Amazon's, uh, uh, customer service data on the reasons people may be returning them or exchanging them, things like that, which, uh, which would definitely be internal data. Yes. And, and I also don't know what the, what the profit margin is on, on it. Although Amazon knows what its profit margin is for listing the products, mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily know what the, the brand's margin is. Like sure. if I make a trunk organizer, and I am selling it for 50 bucks and Amazon takes, I, I have no idea I'm making these numbers up, takes five bucks mm -hmm. of the 50 bucks. What they don't, what Amazon doesn't know, or I mean, I guess maybe they could find out, but not through their data, um, is how much it costs me to make the, make the $50 trunk sure. organizer, what my profit margin is on the trunk organizer. All they know is, Amazon is making five bucks. Right. So if Amazon can make more than five bucks and sell it for less on the first on the first party, then then they will, you know, then it's a win for it's a win for the company. Right. Yeah. So if they can make eight dollars and sell it for 40 instead of making five dollars and selling it for 50. Yes. They'll get, they'll almost certainly get more sales and more profit, uh, both of which will directly harm the competitor uh, with information that is is uh, Amazon's, and that's the that's the place where, you know, there there was conversation a long time ago when when Amazon started to to lean hard into the first party stuff. There was another. There was another hearing. Uh, I don't know if it was in front of Congress, but I know there was another. Uh, it might have been the SEC, um, where where they were investigating what white labeling and uh, private labeling might might do if you're both a marketplace and competing against your own marketplace. Um, you know, not. I'm not saying you know Amazon has has done not done nothing wrong here, but. Doesn't Walmart do the same thing? Doesn't Target do the same thing? Like they're a marketplace. People, I mean, it's it, it mostly physical retail, but you know, nevertheless, you know, Walmart has how many different first-party brands? Yeah, dozens, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if they see, so by the same token, they can look at what a Glad garbage bag goes for. Sure. I say this out of direct experience because I just ordered some great value garbage bags from Walmart <laughs> yesterday. So, uh, you know, um, I can look at what glad, how much money Walmart makes on a glad garbage mm. bag, uh, you know, a box of glad garbage bags and, sure. and figure out. And, and if, if people are returning them to the store, they also have the return data. Sure. So by the same token, should, should we not also be investigating Walmart and target? And other stores that have that have uh, first, what would you call it? You know that have house brands. I mean, granted, the market power of Amazon is so much greater 
and that's why the the damage could be so much greater. And you know the fact that that Amazon also offers essentially a white label of Amazon, right? They have they have uh, shop software that runs on AWS. That uh, there, there's more. Wait, so are they being accused of using that data or data I, from Amazon.com? I don't know, but there's definitely, you know, compare just comparative to to Walmart or Target. You know, the the potential for abuse could be far higher for Amazon than for, well, Target and Walmart together, probably in the grand scheme of things, because you know the the overall. Uh, the overall data collection that that a site like Amazon has in, you know, how many times does somebody go back and view a product before purchasing? Uh, you you don't know that of people shopping inside of a Target or inside of a Walmart. You know, how many times does somebody go look at, you know, the the C nine athletic wear before they actually make a purchase? Because um, that's kind of a white label ish for target um that you know that when you're talking uh physical retail there's a whole lot less less data plus walmart and target don't don't do uh um the same kind of ad affiliate programs that walmart has where they've got google style you know autofill ads and things like that you know amazon has a lot more data i think than the other two possibly together. Um, but the fact that they kind of own the internet when it comes to, to online retail doesn't help their case because does, you know, do, does Bing uh, prior? Well, I mean, if, if Microsoft owned a video service, would Bing prioritize video results from, you know, Microsoft YouTube versus YouTube, YouTube, Potentially, but you know, at eleven percent of the search market, eh, nobody's gonna necessarily care about that. But when Google does it with YouTube, people start going, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? It it's when you have more than fifty percent of the market that people start to get worried. So what, you mean no one's concerned about anti competitive behavior at DuckDuckGo? <laughs> well, you know, in the grant Based on their business model, no. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know what the business model of DuckDuckGo is, but they've got. They, it's coming up as my search engine before. They are a uh, privacy-focused company. That is the that is their that is their thing. So they don't store anything. So would I be worried about anti-competitive from them? No. Ah, <laughs> uh, but anyway. Um, there's some concern that that he may not show up for this for this call uh, in front of Congress, and uh, they have said that they are prepared to uh, subpoena him if necessary because uh, he's been a little cagey on the topic, uh, which just adds to it. As far as I'm concerned, if you're if you're dodging a topic like this with Congress, even if you're not guilty, it sure smells like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just seems like you're messing around. So, anyway, they're they're gonna get answers on this, and uh, 
it probably won't take long to do so. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is semi-ironically powered by Amazon Prime. Uh, <laughs> in addition to your, uh, your free shipping, there's a whole lot of uh, content-based stuff that you can get. Uh, stuff that Abram and I both love. Uh, Amazon Prime Music, which gives you uh, several million tracks that you can stream for free. There's Amazon Prime Video. It has TV, movies, uh, documentaries. <laughs> That's Abram's go-to. Watch uh, Bosch. <laughs> uh, that's available as part of your subscription then there's my favorite which is Twitch Prime uh, it gives you one uh, free subscription to the content creator of your choice a subscription versus a follow uh, is actually a financial support of that content creator uh, and with so many people being out of work right now you know, getting to financially support a content creator like Ploy Kids Live uh, is for free is fantastic uh, but you also get free games for yourself uh, available for your uh, through your account and all of that is available uh, included in your prime subscription if you're not already a prime subscriber we have a free 30-day trial and we have quick links to all of these features to make it easy for you to try uh, and you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash prime so as you can tell just because there might be some anti-competitive uh, investigation with Amazon. We both still like big parts of what's going on there. <laughs> like Twitch, which we're streaming to right now, apparently to a pirate. Um, so <laughs> anyway, um, so obviously uh, the theaters, the movie theaters, well, theater theaters too, but movie theaters have been shut down for uh, a little while now. Um, and it has caused some interesting uh, strife within the, the movie industry because big movies go to theaters for a predetermined amount of time. There's a 45-day window, and then they, they show up on DVD or streaming or TV or wherever they go next. Um, then it becomes the studio's decision on what happens, uh, there's no hard and fast rule. There's no contracts that hold these in place. It's just been this kind of unwritten law of the industry that's been in place for a very long time. It's why you see uh, a movie leave the theaters, then you don't hear about it for a while, and then you start hearing about it again. But with the theater shut down, uh, the studios have had to make decisions. Some, like Marvel have pushed most of their movies out into the future, which makes sense because for a lot of people, a Marvel film or something like that um, is a big screen experience the first time. Uh, but some films uh, have decided to go straight to premium video on demand. Uh, the best example of that is Trolls World Tour. Um, which is the follow-up to the 2016 Trolls movie, which did uh, way better than Universal was prepared for. Uh, they did not think it would do what it did. They didn't think it was going to connect with adults the way that it did. Uh, and so they did a holiday special on NBC, and then uh, Trolls World Tour was scheduled to come out uh, just after the theaters closed. 
And so Universal made the decision to skip theaters entirely and go straight to premium video on demand. Now, what's different between that and regular video on demand? A rental for most uh, PVOD is uh, 20 bucks. And when you take into consideration the price of, of, uh, of movie tickets, especially for a movie like this that's intended for families... 20 bucks is less than it's going to cost to take the family to the movies. So it's not a, it's not a bad price and you don't have to worry about, um, you know, your kids throwing things at the people in front of you. So kind of a win-win, <laughs> uh, kind of a win-win because it did amazingly. In fact, uh, current stats, uh, suggest that it might have done, 10 times what uh, the 2016 box office take was in its first five months in the last three weeks. So that has caused Universal to reconsider its distribution plans. Obviously, <laughs> if a movie can do 10 times what they expected in three weeks for it to do in five months... Uh, you have to look into that as an option. But the theaters aren't going to be happy about that. And uh, AMC has already, the CEO of AMC sent a letter to the chairman of uh, Universal saying, we will no longer carry Universal films in our theaters. Starting now. Now, starting now doesn't matter because the theaters are closed. Um but what they're saying is, uh, we will not carry the next Fast and Furious movie. That's the statement that's being made. Um, because that's the next big universal, big screen film. Uh, after the expected reopening of theaters. So, there's going to be a battle here. Because Universal is going to make decisions based on what they're going to make decisions on. And the theaters, uh, based on market research, suggest that uh, maybe companies like AMC might be filing bankruptcy in the next couple of months. Um, so I don't know how this is going to go for anybody. What do you think, Abram? Hmm. Well, I, I'm hoping that this causes Universal to reconsider and, and release uh, at furious nine before next year when they had postponed it to because i don't know about you but i can't wait a whole other 12 months to find out how han came back to life um you know which was clearly shown in the trailer so like um i mean maybe maybe the amc will inadvertently allow us to get to get our dose of furious nine and find out whether it's still all about family um <laughs> Anyway, the uh, you the, know um, way too much about that. It makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> about about Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've seen them all. I've seen them all. Uh, it's a guilt. It's a guilty pleasure. Okay. Uh, I'm good with that. But um, uh, the um, but yeah, I've read that AMC is in big trouble. Uh, but I think this also tells you that uh, movie theaters in general are in big trouble. Now, here's the thing. I, 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 can, I am 
part of that uh, box office for Trolls World Tour because I am among those that 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 rented it or um, or anti box so, office possibly. <laughs> yes. Well, it's yeah. I guess I guess that's like saying you dialed someone on the phone right. when there's no no dial anymore. Anyway, uh, was that like skeuomorphic? Uh, anyway, so yeah. So it was my son's birthday that weekend and he had, and the trolls one had come on TV like a few, like a week or two before and he watched it and he really liked it. And I cannot get him to watch movies to sit down and watch a movie 99% of the time when I want to. So it was his birthday and he's like, I want to see trolls. And my first thought was like $20 to rent a movie. That's ridiculous. Yes. It's cheaper than going to the theater, but Let's keep in mind that if you wait like a month or two, mm-hmm. you'll be able to rent it for four dollars. So, you know, unlike Han coming back to life, where we just can't bear to go through the rest of this year and through New Year's Eve and still not know, um, we can probably wait to find out whether the Hard Rock Troll manages to convince. All, to subsume all the other trolls so people are not listening so that the the um the disco trolls no that's not dis, dis, disco trolls no i don't think that was one of the one of the the classical music trolls will no longer exist um anyway point point being it, it is expensive for renting even though it's cheap for the theater and renting is and it is competing against renting because if people can just wait a month or two or three, they can always they mm-hmm. the option will be there to rent it, and eventually it'll probably come on on free TV and cable if you wait long enough. Um, and with but, something with something um, like Trolls, it'll probably eventually be on Peacock. Yeah, so you know, eventually, eventually everything is available to see for free. Right. So the question is, why do people go to the movies? Do they go to the movies because something came out now and they don't want to wait to wait until it becomes cheaper to see? Or do they go because they want to see it on a larger screen? Or do they go because they want to go out of the house like an occasion? Or do they go because they want to be around other people enjoying the same entertainment as them? Uh, those are all reasons people might go to the movies. Mm-hmm. And seeing it, bef- seeing it at the earliest possible date is only one of those reasons. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if this is a, um, you know, a harbinger of things to come that people will be willing to pay twenty dollars to see a movie that, like, two months later they could see for four on the same on the same screen in the same living room. Uh, but. Um, but, you know, I think it was very wise of Universal to do this. And I personally appreciated it because it was something that it was the rare thing that my son actually mm-hmm. won't really wanted to sit down and see because he's a very he's a very tough customer. So um, so for that reason, you know, we rented it, but uh, for 20 bucks, but. Uh, I don't know whether people are going to continue to spend 20 bucks to, to rent movies. Um, I will say this, if it were 
20 bucks to see like Wonder Woman or wait, you know, however many months to to rent it. Yeah, I I paid the 20 bucks to see Wonder Woman cuz I just got to see it. But it but in in a time where there's 30 million people who filed for unemployment, mm-hmm. maybe Forget about whether it's cheaper than the movie theater. I know that that is what the movie theater is concerned about. But what consumers are concerned about is is, is spending twenty bucks to see a movie, like, worth it. So, I I don't know. I mean, I think I think AMC now is like you know screaming at the sky like nothing's going to help them. Uh, I I don't know. I think movie theaters in general are in 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 a bad way and Mm -hmm. studios are doing what they can the interesting question is will universal and or other studios learn from this and say oh you know what we feel comfortable putting out more movies on video direct right uh direct like this right and that was their and and will the creators go along with it too that was universal's point not that we're gonna always skip the theaters they said we had we've all kind of ignored PVOD as a distribution platform because you know direct to video has been you know the third sequel to Aladdin it's never <laughs> it's it's never been right. the place for for you know theater quality content but from time to time maybe that's the right way to go that's all Universal is saying is from time to time, maybe it's the right way to go. Maybe there's certain content that makes more sense to release to PVOD rather than taking it to theaters. They didn't say, you know what? We're done with theaters. Get out. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, I see, though, that they see the trend, but I also think that the symbiotic relationship between physical movie theaters and movie studios will re- will remain really important because I don't know if they can abandon movie theaters mm-hmm. and still make that kind of money on a movie yeah. because I don't, barring Star Wars or whatever, I don't see a lot of people spending, yet, yet now we did it for trolls because we're all locked, locked mm-hmm. inside. But, but when... Um, but when things go back to a more normal state, uh, will people be willing to spend 20 bucks to rent a movie? Right. Uh, but they know that they're willing to spend 20 bucks or more than 20 bucks to go to the theater. So uh, I think just in order to justify charging people that kind of money. Now, the real danger for those of us who like movies is that what we find out is that the model is completely broken. People don't want to go to the movie theater and people don't want to spend 20 bucks to watch a movie. And so therefore, therefore you don't have a lot of movies being made or at least expensive movies being made because yeah. they can't recoup the cost. True. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a, I'm a theater person, both movie and stage, uh, partially because of the, the experience, right? The, sound system that I just simply can't have. And you know, there, there, there's things there's, there's a sense of occasion, like you said earlier. Um, right. But not necessarily everything needs that sense of occasion. Not everything deserves that sense of occasion. And, and you know, maybe the line, maybe the line is just shifting a little bit 
to the left. You know, maybe it's not only the the third <laughs> sequel to Aladdin or or Lion King one and a half or whatever stupid thing. It maybe it's you know slightly higher budget things uh, can go PVOD or maybe release without the window. That was one of the things they talked about, which is maybe maybe eliminating the window on some stuff. Maybe we go to the theaters for a month and then we don't wait a month and a half to go PVOD. You know, just they said they just want to reevaluate the distribution model and AMC lost it. <laughs> but again, well, they're, they're in trouble and yeah, they know it. Exactly. Yeah, they're already in a bad place. This hasn't helped them and uh so they're just trying to grab onto anything they can before they uh before they drown. So Well, that is our show. Uh, to those of you, including the pirate on Twitch, who have joined us live, <laughs> thank you. We always appreciate it, even if it's just yar from the chat room. Um, we always appreciate our live viewers. Uh, if you did not join us live and would like to in the future, uh, normally Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us. Um, and if you have found us on another way and would like to uh, subscribe and listen on a regular basis, you can always go to plugkidslive.com slash subscribe. And there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. Uh, so with that, uh, I guess before we go, um, the, this week we will be publishing the bizarre toilet paper video that we made um on amrocktampabay.com definitely check it out because uh just editing it this at the rough cut this afternoon i laughed so hard it is one of the dumbest things we've ever done and i love it <laughs> so definitely check it out uh amrocktampabay.com and with that on behalf of the staff that's not here i'm scott I'm Abram. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.